Have a seat, everyone. Good morning. My name is Pastor John. I'm, I've uh, been here a few times. Just really glad to be up in, in Brigham. Love coming here. It's fun to preach here. Love seeing everybody, getting to know some of you more and more. Uh, this morning, we are, as, you've, as you know, if you've been coming for any amount of time, walking through the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 10. And in, in this section uh, of chapter 10, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection again for the third time. Oh, let's go back. There we go. Uh, the title of this message today, and we're in Mark chapter 10, 32 through 45, is The Unexpected Journey. And we're, what we're going to look at today is some misunderstandings and some misguided expectations around what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. Misunderstandings about Jesus from the disciples' perspective. If you remember back in chapter 8, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. He says, hey, this is what the next leg of the journey is going to look like, fellas. And he, he, he explains it to them plainly. And then Peter, what does he do? He, he takes Jesus aside and he rebukes Peter. He says, no, say it ain't so, Jesus, right? And what does Jesus do? turns around with a stern rebuke in front of all Peter's buddies, in front of the disciples, and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you're focusing on the things of man and not the things of God. So they've, they've got a clear misunderstanding about Jesus' mission here. But, but also misguided expectations about what it means for them to be along on this ride. And if you remember uh, in, in chapter 9, once again, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. This time he adds a little bit more detail about uh, the, the betrayal. And then shortly after that, Jesus catches the disciples having a conversation about what? Do you remember? A conversation about who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest they're talking about? Which, again, this, this uh, shows their hand. This, is exposed, this exposes their misguided expectation around What's going on? And so we're going to see this pattern in, in chapter 9, 31, or pardon me, chapter 8, 31, chapter 9, 31, and then today, right in queue, chapter 10, 33, I believe we start. You see this pattern. Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. Uh, the disciples are uh, caught saying something or, or thinking something that it's completely out in left field. And Jesus, in his, in his loving compassion, and uh, his patience, turns it into a a teachable moment for the disciples. And how many of you know that God's word is not redundant? It, or make, Well, it, it can be redundant, but it makes no apologies for being redundant. And in this case, we have this repeat theme, these repeat lessons, three times. And so how many of you know when we, when we see a repeat theme in Scripture, what does it mean? It means, hey, hey, pay attention, everyone. I've got something I need you to learn, and, and that's certainly the case today. But before we dive into our text today, I want to ask you this question. What are you expecting from your walk with the Lord? What are you expecting around your Christian life? What are you expecting from your pursuit with God? And like the disciples, do we possibly have some misguided expectations when it comes to what it means for us to be along on the ride with Jesus, what it, what it means for us to be walking with, with Jesus. Misguided not by Jesus, by the way, not by Scripture, by the way, 
but this is more of an inside job, mis- misguided by uh, influences within us, uh, our, our sin nature that wants, and our flesh that wants to hang on, selfish ambitions, preconceived ideas, or even just lack, lack of knowledge, lack of wisdom, or by other outside influences as well. How about uh, the, the false teacher? How about the big, shiny, TV, teethed, uh, TV evangelist that just looks you in the eye and says, friend, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you just the way you are. You don't need to change anything to come to the Lord at all about yourself. You don't need to change anything. And he just loves, in fact, I just want to pinch your cheeks right now. All you need to do to get All the desires of your heart met, friend, is just have enough faith. And oh, by the way, you can can demonstrate that faith by sending a check or money order to the address on your TV screen. Now notice there's there's a little bit of truth mixed in there, and this is how the enemy always works. He, He skins a lie with with truth, attempts you to take a bite. And so if you've ever been on a journey with one of these uh, types of, of ministries, don't, don't feel ashamed about it. I've got a story to tell you a little bit later about how uh, I was connected to one of them a little bit. So with that, with that on your mind, not my impersonation, okay? Not my impersonation, but with that on mind, with this question in mind, let's, let's get into our text today. Mark 10, starting in verse 32. They were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Okay, so we see they were filled with awe. They were, we, they were filled with fear, and we should ask ourselves, well, well why? This was, this was standard protocol for a rabbi to walk out ahead of his disciples, his students. So this was nothing new. So why? Well, as confused as the disciples were about many things, they were certain, at least we know they had a belief about one thing. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember again in Mark uh, chapter 8, Peter's confession. Jesus says, hey guys, wh- who are, what are people saying about me? And they say, well, they say you're Elijah, you're this, uh, uh, maybe the prophet, uh, uh, I think it was Isaiah, right? No, I, I could have that wrong, but they, they go, they say, you know, some, uh, a prophet of some sort, uh, Elijah, um, and he says, well, what, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, and now this is uh, the Matthew 16 account, and, and I just picture Peter says, you are the Messiah. Okay, that's, that's what he says. You, you are the Messiah. And in the Matthew account, Jesus confirms this. And I just picture him grabbing Peter by the lapels of his tunic and just saying, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And Jesus fired up because finally Peter gets something right. <laughs> Right? So they're in awe because they're thinking, 
this is actually happening. We're doing this. We're heading to Jerusalem. And they're, they're also in, in awe because they're thinking, yes, he is our Messiah. He is the, the uh, uh, king, long-awaited king from the line of David that we've been waiting for to take his rightful seat on the throne in his everlasting kingdom. But they're also fearful, headed toward the unknown here. I mean, it's, it's probably common knowledge at this point that the religious leaders were looking to uh, take Jesus out. They wanted to kill him. They were always plotting against him. Jesus is going to toe-to-toe with them. So they're thinking, well, listen, okay, we're heading toward Jerusalem. Jesus has got this resolve to walk there. They're in awe of his courage, but they're also afraid because they're walking toward the epicenter of these religious guys' hangout right, in Jerusalem. And and maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been in awe of Jesus. Maybe Jesus has become real and and you have this awakening of who he is and and you're in awe of his grace and his love and mercy to you. But you're not quite sure where he's taking you. You've put him on the rightful place. He's taken his, his place on the throne of your heart but you're a little bit fearful because you don't know what that means for your life. You know, I've got a quick story about my bride. I love to tell the story because it makes me seem like the extra spiritual one uh, between us. And she's not here this service, so I can get away with this. Okay, listen. We were dating. Ah, this goes back to about uh, 19, uh, 2000, the year 2000, okay? And we just had our 20th year anniversary, by the way. Praise the Lord. Yeah, really exciting. Um, She's put up with me <laughs> 20 years, and you'll see why here in a second. So we're dating. I have, we've been dating, and, and we, I started off not knowing the Lord, and now I know him. And, and I'm in that season of my faith where I'm probably a little bit on the obnoxious side. She's wondering, what, what have I got myself into here? I, haven't, I didn't sign up for this. And so one day, I just, now, but I can tell. I can tell the Holy Spirit is, I, well, I'm praying for her. I believe God's working in her life. But it's kind of come to this point where I have to like decide, are we going to move forward in our relationship or not? Because I am head over heels in love with Jesus. And that's what I tell her. I said, listen, Valerie, here's the thing. you got to decide if you're okay with me loving Jesus more than I love you. Because if you're not, we've got we to go our separate ways. As painful as that is for me to say. And now t- tears begin to flow down her face. And she looks at me and she says, but, but, but I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. Like, like Cindy Lauper. You guys remember the song if you're from my generation. And th- this is the thing. She, she was right at that precipice of, of in the hallway. She hadn't opened the door yet to let Jesus in. And she's wondering, what's this going to mean for my life if I, if I go down this road? And I'll tell you, friends, that it, it, is, it is fun. It's probably not what you expect, but it is fun. All right, let's, let's continue in our, in our text here. So speaking of, of expectations, here in verse 33 and 34, Jesus will give the most detailed description of their itinerary in Jerusalem. And here it is. Let's read together. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where, where the Son of Man 
will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of a religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Okay, here we have these, these two ideas that, that aren't jiving here. They just don't jive with the disciples. And let me explain why. Jesus takes these, these two things that you can find uh, that they are paralleled in some Old Testament scripture in the book of Daniel and in the book of Isaiah. But the disciples are having a hard time fitting these together. Uh, Let me read from you what this idea of the Son of Man is all about. This is Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man, and this is a reference back to chapter uh, 7 in the book of Daniel, verse 14, which is uh, uh, speaking about the, the Son of Man, says this, And to him, the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And the disciples can get behind this, right? But then there's, there's this, this other language from Jesus where he's talking about his betrayal, humiliation, torture, death, resurrection. And this sounds more like another prophet we know. If you know your Bibles, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 50, verse 6. And listen to the similarities here. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And of course, Isaiah 53, verse 5. And I would encourage you to read these, these whole sections of Scripture. Verse 5 five says, But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The Son of Man will have an everlasting kingdom and dominion over all people and all nations. You know Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. The disciples like the glory and the grandeur uh, of this complete dominion and everlasting kingdom language, but glossed over the part about the suffering, humiliation, and death. Even though it was right from the mouth of Jesus, and Scripture says he explained it to them plainly. And it was in their own Scriptures. But Christians, before we point our fingers at these guys for not getting it, we ought to take heed. We ought to be careful because I think sometimes we're tempted to look at Scripture, take the parts we like and the the parts that are a little bit harder, gloss right past them. Correct? All right, let's keep going here. Let's see how these guys respond to what Jesus just said, again, about his betrayal, his humiliation, torture, death, and resurrection. It's quite shocking, really. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. 
we see here these guys just, they, they blow right by what Jesus just said. This is literally the first attempt at name it and claim it theology, if you guys know what that is. Saying, Jesus, gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give here's what we want. Do this for us. In spite of Jesus teaching them, in spite of this teaching that they've heard now, these teachable moments have been coming their way. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. The first must be last and become a servant of all. In spite of all this, the disciples make this all about themselves. And they're right back to jockeying for position around who gets to be the greatest. Jesus, you know, we, we, I, could just, I can picture this. This is me role-playing James and John here. Jesus, we, we saw how you rebuked Peter a few weeks ago. I mean, it was hard. I mean, he was harsh, but he deserved it. He deserved it. So we just figured that that moves us up to your number one and two slots. We know this is a bit direct, and, and yes, we, we can even admit that maybe the timing is a little bad here, but we see your resolve, Jesus, to move toward Jerusalem. And so we figure if anyone appreciates a, a go-getter, It'd be you, Jesus. So, so here it is. We're just going to come out and ask, give us your top two spots. What do you say, Jesus? Let's see how Jesus responds here. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering? I am about to drink. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? What's Jesus doing here? He's, he's pointing them right back to what he literally just talked about, this idea of, of suffering. And they're still framing it in terms of, of glory. They are expecting, at least hoping for, glory, power, position, and prosperity. And Jesus is offering them a cup of suffering. Now let's see how James and John reply here. <laughs> oh yes, they replied. We are able. They're so excited. <laughs> They're so excited. I can, again, more role playing here. I can just see, yes, yes. Oh, I knew we should have gone up and asked. Yeah, and I'm the one that, and I, don't you know, I'm the one that told you not to bring Peter into this. You know, I know this is, this is great. And then to Jesus, Jesus, look, I mean, you, we knew you were going to kind of expect something from this, right, Jesus? Uh, we, we didn't expect you to give us this for nothing, Jesus. We, we got this. Drink the cup, check. Be baptized with the baptism, check. We, we got this, Jesus. Still focused on the position of glory, they were essentially thinking, do this for us, Jesus, and we have no problem doing a little suffering for you, even though we have no clue what you're talking about, Jesus. And Jesus was right. They had no clue. They had no clue what they were asking. See, this, this cup, and in, in, in the NLT, it, it gives some context to this being a cup of, of suffering, a baptism of, of suffering. And in other translations, um, many don't, don't have that. 
But this is, indeed, this is not the the cup of of blessing. This is not Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Lead me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will Follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No, this is not the cup of, of blessing. This is the cup of Luke twenty two forty two, which is Jesus sweating drops of blood in the garden, saying, Father, if it, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is the full cup of God's judgment. This is a baptism, a complete submersion under his holy and just wrath against sinful man, reserved for Jesus, the only one worthy and acceptable to make the payment to save sinful people from such an eternal death penalty. Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to pick up the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you have redeemed us to God out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Jesus is the only one worthy to take this this cup. Let's continue reading here. <clears throat> but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Pardon me, let me back up there. I think I, I missed a part here. You will indeed here we go. You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for those he has chosen. And I would love to see James and John's faces at this point. Wait, wait a minute. That's, that's not exactly the deal we were, we were trying to sign up for here, Jesus. You mean, you mean we need to do this, this cup and this baptism of suffering thing in, in a sense is what Jesus is saying. You're going to suffer. But Jesus, we don't get any guarantee of the number one and number two spots? Is that what you're seeing, saying, Jesus? Hold on, we need to rethink this whole thing, James. Hey, Peter, Peter, come on over here. We got a proposition for you. <laughs> I would speculate at this point that James and John must have begun to figure that this journey with Jesus may not, may not turn out the way that they had expected it. Let me, let me give you my story real quick here. Early in my faith walk, I had truly repented of my sin. I had trusted in, in Jesus for my salvation, and now I was going to have God bless my plans. Sound familiar to anybody? Now, I was soaking up, praise God, by his grace, I was soaking up as much teaching as I could, but I really didn't, uh, at the time, I wasn't connected to a good church, and so I was getting teaching from different sources, mostly on the radio at that time. Internet wasn't even really a thing then. It shows my age. And I would call in, and I would get their tapes and their their resources, and thankfully God led me to some good guys. Uh, But the other thing I would do is read my Bible like crazy. I was reading it every day. But one of the teachers I got connected to was a guy that is uh, what they call a, a word of faith teacher, okay? And this is kind of like one of the guys I was essentially mocking a little bit up here. 
And he, he would... He had this show called Ask the Pastor, and I would call in every day, and I would ask questions, and it was very positive. It was stuff that I needed, and it was, there was some good information there because it was all about taking the Word of God captive, every thought captive, taking the Word of God and, and making your thoughts be obedient to the Word of God. And, but it was all about, like, like, if you do this, you can essentially have a say in the outcome of your life. You, you can manipulate your life. And so I was at the time, I was in the golf business. I really had just come out of college. I really wanted to be a golf professional. And so I would pray, Lord, I'd play in these little small tournaments. I'd pray, Lord, help me play, pay, you know, play to the best of my potential. I would memorize different scriptures. And by the way, that's a terrible prayer even. Play to your, the best of my potential? Like, no, I needed God, and we need God to do anything. So I didn't even understand the whole word of faith thing properly. And maybe I need to rethink this. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not going to go back to the golf thing. But my, my point is, is that one point, I'm going through this, and trials are coming. And so I'm asking questions, and I ask this guy on the radio. I call into the show, and I said, hey, you know, I've been listening to this. I've been appreciate your, appreciate your, your teachings and all. And, and, but I, I got, I've got this question, how come it is that if we're supposed to have this awesome life as a result of following Christ, you know, the desires of our heart, how come it is that, that all the, the apostles and the early followers of Christ, how come it is that they all died like terrible martyrs' deaths? You know what he said? He said, you know, that's a great question. We need to go to break. And... John, we'll, we'll get you that answer on Monday. We're heading into the weekend. So sure enough, I check out the show on Monday. He completely doesn't touch it at all. And I begin thinking, hmm, what's going on here? Shortly after that, I got in a good Bible-believing church. And again, I was reading my Bible. Guys, that's what you need to do. You need to be in, in your Bibles. You need to discern everything you're, I'm saying anything you hear on TV or on the internet or anywhere else, you need to discern it through the filter of God's word for sure. But I'm sure that there's some of you that can relate to this. You've been through some some suffering in your life. Maybe you you're, it's not what you expected. You're not getting what you expected. You thought you were going to ride Philippians 4. Let me go back one. You thought you were going to ride Philippians 4, 13, all the way to your hopes and dreams, right? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And then you backed up to verse 12 that says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. You you backed up to verse 12 and you went, oh, wait a minute. This verse is actually about God's strength carrying me through difficult seasons. This verse is about enduring suffering, not becoming the next Super Bowl quarterback or CEO of my own company. And don't get me wrong, a person can have godly aspirations to do great things. There's nothing wrong with that. But make no mistake, the Christian life will include trials and suffering. Let's look at our our final verse. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John 
had asked, they were indignant. <laughs> well, probably because they, James and John beat them, beat them to the draw, right? Peter was thinking, oh, man, I wish I would have thought of that. I should have I got to Jesus with that question first. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. In other words, listen, the kingdom I'm ushering in is going to look like this kingdom we're not just replacing our rule with theirs and going to go about business as usual. It's going to be different. And he goes on, here's this teachable moment. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is essentially a payment for your freedom. And friends, when you count yourself one among the many who have been ransomed, when this becomes personal to you, you will gladly give him all the glory in exchange for the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1.7 In him we have Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And the more you follow Jesus, the less you're interested in your own glory and achieving your own goals and aspirations, and the more you're interested in the glory of Jesus. The more you accept that trials and suffering are par for the course. First Peter 4, 12-13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So you see, Christians, uniquely for us, we can find joy in our suffering. This is not true for any other people group. Even our suffering, God redeems. It, it, it humbles us so that we may become more dependent on God and therefore more useful to His service. We suffer our flesh when we deny ourselves and look to serve others. We suffer under the hand of God's discipline as He disciplines the children He loves to conform us more into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we certainly suffer the attack from an enemy, as we courageously look to engage the world with Christ and make disciples in obedience to Jesus. The more you trust the one who ransomed you from eternal suffering, the more you will learn to find joy in the temporary stuff. Because there is an eternal glory for us in Christ. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen is right. So one more, one more thing before we get into the music. Sorry if I'm running a minute or two long on you. Back to this question, what are you expecting from your pursuit of God? If you're like the disciples, if maybe you've missed uh, Jesus' words or some of the scripture, maybe this journey isn't exactly what you expected. But in the authority of God's word, Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose by the authority of God's word. For those who trust God, for those who surrender to his purpose, Listen, your life may not be anything like you expected. But it will be everything you've ever wanted. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, we love you. We adore you, God. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is true. We thank you, Lord God, that we can indeed rest in your promises that we can indeed know that even when we're going through trials and suffering of various types, God, that you are with us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, God. That, Lord God, you have indeed ransomed us. That, Lord God, you exemplify what our lives are to look like, God. You, You didn't say, hey, good luck, do this on your own, God. You came here to rescue us. You suffered for us. You went to the cross, paid the price for our sin debt, rose from the dead three days later to give us life for all those that believe in you. And We praise you for this truth, God. Help us go from this place and share your powerful gospel message to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.